Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Here, the podcast that explains exactly how successful, inspirational people got to where they are today. Today, we're talking to the inspirational and incredible three times Paralympic swimmer and gold medalist and practicing paramedic, Jenny Coughlin. Jenny, thank you for coming on the show and welcome. How did you get here? Talk us through your career and how it started and how you got into uh, swimming as a sport. So it probably started when I was about three or four. Um, I was on holiday in Florida and I took my armbands off and jumped in a 16-foot pool. Um, So my mum then realised she had to take me to swimming lessons. so I started out, you know, ducklings and, and you know, really small. Yeah. And then that grew to club swimming, then squad swimming. And then I had a detached retina at 15 um, or maybe 16. Yeah. Um, and that meant I lost my central vision in my left eye. Right. Um, and also some of my right eye was affected and had to be operated on. Um, and then my mum was worried um, about my, my my training because there was an awful lot of people in the lanes at, at the squad. Yeah. Um, so she spoke to British Blind Sports who advised that there was an upcoming competition in Wolverhampton. Yeah. Um, so I swam at that and broke world and European records um, and then was invited to get classified officially in Germany, in Berlin, um, and race at that event, which was the qualifier yeah. um, to get to Sydney. Wow, that's incredible. Um, what a, that, that must have been kind of a bit of a whirlwind was, at, at that age. How, so how old were you exactly when you, when you got into the GB team? I was 16. 16. Mm. So was that quite overwhelming then at the age of 16 to kind of go through all of that so quickly? Um, was it overwhelming with the responsibility that that came with? Um, I think I just cracked on, really. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was overwhelming, but I was 16 and it was all new yeah. and it was all exciting. Um, I remember my kit being delivered to my mum's house. It was a massive box and I was at school at the time. And my mum was like, I'm really sorry, but I've got to open it. I can't I can't wait for you. And I remember being absolutely gutted that it was my mum that opened all my GP kit first. Oh, no. But yeah, she was so excited and so proud. So yeah, I can forgive her. And it was at the time where the tracksuit was um, the Union Jack flag. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'd always wanted that tracksuit. Yeah. So it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That is incredible, to be honest. Like, have you still got the tracksuit? Yeah, I've yeah. got a wardrobe absolutely stuffed full of kits. <laughs> I've kept absolutely everything. Yeah. And sometimes we'll, we'll dig out kind of, for Tokyo, we digged out some tops and, um, you know, decorated the sofa with a flag. Um, so yeah, we will... Dig it, dig it out every now and again, and I'll, yeah. I'll look at the size of the swimming costumes and think, how, how did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, because is it true? Because is it true about the about the kit? Like sometimes you can only wear it um, like once. You can only wear it kind of once for every competition, and then 
um, if you're sponsored, they give you other kit to wear. Is, is that right? Were, you, were they quite strict with you on that in terms of only wearing just it wearing the costume once and then you have to wear a brand new one the next time around? It wasn't so much you could wear it once. It was, you know, if you had the same sponsor, you could wear it again. But yeah. if at the end of the competition there was a different sponsor, yeah, they'd um, make you... If you had kind of trainers with a different make on, they'd make you, you know, take take the make off. Wow. Um, there was a lot of us with Olympic rings tattoos, and that's not allowed at the Paralympics. So oh, wow. we have to tape tape or marker over that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they were they were very strict about about what you could wear. Right. Right. Wow. That's that's definitely an insight. That's cool. So. With the what about the medals? That's what I wanted to ask you. Um, I keep my medals in a sock. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a normal sock; it is a nice fluffy sock. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just to keep them all together, really, so I know where they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to get them framed, and you know, um, but I do have a photograph with me, like a professional photograph. Yeah. Um, in my tracksuit with my medals. Um, but yeah, I just do keep my medals in a sock. A bit like Tom Daly with his little knitted <laughs> knitted um, pouch for his medal. Love it, love it. Is that to kind of protect them, stop them from getting scratched and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just so I don't misplace them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So in terms of your, in terms of the training, obviously as a, as a swimmer, like... It's supposed. Well, I've heard that it's kind of the most grueling type of um, training there is, really, in in the sports, uh, in the sports world. Um, so, talk me through that in terms of what that training regime was like, and you know, uh, what was that? What was it like for a sixteen-year-old to have to go stick to those strict mm. regimes? What was it like? Um, I do find it hard to motivate myself with my, you know, my ADHD does affect that. Um, but my, my coach, Billy, Billy Pye, he, he kept me very motivated. Um, and I would swim in the morning, um, do some gym after it, then go to university, um, study in the afternoon. Um, and then, come back and go training for another two hours um wow. of a night so yeah we had to we have to do a lot of meters yeah um even though our actual races are quite short yeah you do they call it garbage yardage garbage yardage <laughs> <laughs> is that just to kind of build up your stamina and your strength yeah and yeah, yeah. Is there certain foods that you're not allowed to eat as well kind of dietary requirements that they make you stick to and things like that yeah um it's always important to, you know, make sure you're, you're eating the right things. Yeah. Um, it's hard when you get to a Paralympics because there's a McDonald's in the village. <laughs> um, so there is a rule that we can't go to McDonald's till after we've finished racing. Right, um, got you. But yeah, we, we we did eat a lot of pasta. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, putting in the carbs just yeah. so that you've got the energy. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. Um, so who's your inspiration then? Who was your inspiration growing up in terms of, you know, giving you that drive and kind of who did you aspire to be? Was it someone, was it a swimmer? Was it somebody in that in the sports industry? So when I started my swimming career, um, Sarah Story was my roommate. 
Um, nice. And she was a couple of years older than me. Yeah. Um, and I looked up to her an awful lot. You know, she had, she still has, you know, she's still competing, but yeah. her drive and her confidence in herself and her determination, I I really just wanted to be like Sarah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was good having a friend that, you know, we trained together for, for a little while as well. Wow. And yeah, it was, awesome. it, it was good to, to have her. Um, and my mum also inspired me quite a lot. She had quite a lot of health issues um, and the way she overcame them yeah. um, and the way she just always believed in me um, kind of kept me motivated. That's incredible. That's brilliant. Um, so yeah, so talk to me about the moment you arrived at Sydney and you were kind of... Um, when you got there, um, I can imagine kind of you getting in. How how does that work? And is it? Do you go straight to the pool to start training, or how 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 does it happen? Talk me through it. So um, we would probably have a bit of a sleep because um, it's quite a long. Well, it's very long flight. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then. We would go to the pool, you, you get a chance to kind of look around the pool um, and yeah, and then you'd get in to do kind of a light session and kind of shake off the jet lag. Yeah. Um, but I just remember seeing all the seats on the side and how far they went up and I remember going to the top, right to the top of the stands and looking down and thinking, this won't, this can't be full, this is so many people. Yeah. Um, and it was it was very overwhelming, you know. I was only sixteen. Um, I'd been to kind of nationals before, a, a, an able-bodied event, but I'd, that was the biggest competition I'd ever been to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was quite overwhelming wow. to start off with. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, Sheffield Pond Forge. For those that are listeners that are obviously familiar with that swimming pool, that's massive. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty big pool, right? Yeah. Um, so it, Sydney was like... Even bigger. Even bigger. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the Aussies went all out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely all out. You know, Men Down Under was played all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the Aussies were such a great host. It great. was an amazing games. So tell me about the the moment that you're taught me through the actual race itself. So obviously you're standing behind the blocks. Mm-hmm. So talk me through what's going through your head. How what do you is what do you go through? Is that because you see when you watch obviously the like um like 100 meters running races yeah. they have you can see that they're psyching themselves up yeah, they have like little yeah. routines mm-hmm. they do like it what is that the same for, for you as, as a paralympian swimmer um in the call room um kind of where you sit before you you walk out behind the blocks there's a lot of kind of psyching other people trying to cycle you know other swimmers out oh really yeah yeah wow. there was a lot of kind of punching lockers and you know having the hoods up and having sunglasses on and, <laughs> oh yeah it was crazy I, you know sydney i was kind of probably too young and too naive to realize i just was so nervous yeah um but yeah i remember in beijing i had 
um, Rihanna and Henry next to me, who was also swimming in my classification. Yeah. Um, we were just looking at each other, like shaking our heads at, you know, these Canadians going absolutely crazy <laughs> in the call room, <laughs> thinking, what, what are they doing? But um, it does all change when you stand behind the blocks. Um, I guess Sydney, I was so nervous. I was unbelievably nervous. Yeah. Um, and then Athens, I was a bit less nervous. Yeah. And Beijing, I got the hang of things. I knew how things worked. I knew, you know, what to do in my own mind to, to keep myself calm. Yeah. Um, and I just knew, you know, what I wanted my angle to be. So, um, yeah, I definitely progressed behind the blocks. I remember Sydney, I'd, you know, wave at the camera and be all, you know, try and be happy. Yeah. But yeah, there was none of that invasion. I was like, right, I'm just going to go in and race and enjoy it. 100%. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and how, because obviously there's like um, certain stages up until you know the the race mm-hmm. where you know it's it's whether you win or you don't mm-hmm. what um what was that like and then obviously you know you you how 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 did that feel in terms of you finishing that race and when you you realized that you'd won how talk me through that the emotion that must have been going through you and so on so it was world championships in argentina um we had two visually impaired relays um, and it was brilliant because, you know, you, you got to race with your friends, yeah. you know, um, and to be part of that team and enjoy it, the win together. Um, I can't remember who, who finished last, but I remember we brought the world record and... Um, someone took a picture of us on the podium and yeah, I just look, we all look so proud and yeah, that was amazing. Um, but my individual event was hundred back yeah. and I won silver and it wasn't really expected. You know, I didn't, you always go in to try and do your best and do a PB, uh-huh. but yeah, I, I've, I really cherish that world championship silver medal because yeah yeah it was brilliant that's incredible um so yeah i mean wow uh what a career has uh, there ever been a time where you've during the swimming <clears throat> excuse me during the swimming time and you training constantly did you ever feel like giving up at any point there was um <laughs> it was a january i think the year before beijing and I had lost my funding because I hadn't got the times for for lottery funding. Um, And everyone was on a training camp in Australia. And I had to walk to the pool for morning training and afternoon training. Um, And it was raining and it was cold and it was early. And (laughs) I just thought, why am I doing this? I was working in Reflex in in the 80s bar, Um, you know, wearing a tutu and you know dancing to ghostbusters <laughs> just to get some money together um so yeah I'd, I'd go to work um and then my other half would pick me up i'd have a kip in the car and then we'd go training 
But yeah, it was it was that January walking to the pool and thinking everyone's in Australia. I've got to go and do this session by myself. Yeah, it was hard work. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine not having your team there yeah. and you having to kind of really focus. Yeah. So how do you how did you overcome that and and what life hack would you give to listeners in terms of if they're ever feeling like giving up and you know, how do you how would you stay focused and how did you stay focused and driven? Um I guess because I always had an end goal, I always had something to kind of focus on. Um, I also think as my career went on, I became better at um, managing my emotions and, you know, my mindset and my mental health, just as much as, you know, training physically, you know, it was really important to, you know, see the psychologist every now and again if you if you were feeling a bit down. Mm. Um, and I think that side really improved um, in British swimming and Paralympics GB. You know, swimmers can get help. Um, and I guess always realising that near the end of my career that you there was kind of things that I could transfer qualities of myself that I could transfer from swimming, you know, onto another career and believing that I could, you know, um, put that out there to, to employers really. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. And yeah, I know, I mean, I can imagine there's probably a hell of a lot of pressure um when you're at that level Mm -hmm. um to perform and to succeed and to win um and the level of training that you've mentioned that you're having to do um i can imagine that sometimes it gets a lot um and like you said there's a lot of mental training that Mm -hmm. you're having to do as well as physical um but yeah so taking that and then when did you when did you kind of when did it hit you that you were like, right, I've done what I want to do now. Um, how, where do I go from here? When, when do you think that was in your career? So I don't think very many people thought I'd get the qualifying time for Beijing because I've been off funding the year before. Yeah. Um, and when I did, I did it in the first trials. You know, we, me and Billy were... We were expecting it to be in the in the second trials and yeah when I when I did it in the first trials it was kind of like wow I can't believe I've just done that um <laughs> but I, I kind of knew that that would be my last games it, because it had been such hard work to get there yeah um plus you know I, I wasn't old old but I was old for a swimmer mm-hmm. um and yeah, the performance director said, I don't think you'll get the qualifying time for Beijing, uh, for London, sorry. Yeah. Um, and he was right because there wasn't a hundred, my event wasn't actually in London. Yeah. So yeah, I, he asked, did I want to f- officially retire? And I was like, no, I was kind of in and out and I, I couldn't decide. Um, 
I actually got a tattoo, uh, which said let, let it be, which actually meant yeah. just let my swimming career be, just leave it, mm -hmm. just get on with the rest of your life and yeah. see what comes of it. Um, I'd already done a theology degree. Um, I thought it was really important to keep up my education while I was training because if, if anything went wrong, if I was injured, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd need that to fall back on. Um, Definitely. And I think when you're young, you go into the sport and you think, yeah, I, I can do this forever. Yeah. And it's just not the case. Um, so then I went into, I did a teach training course in RE. Um, didn't, didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I don't really know how I thought, oh, I'm going to be a paramedic. I think I just applied to lots of universities thinking I haven't I, I won't hear back from them yeah um and then I got a couple of interviews um I had a really good interview at Sheffield Hallam yeah um and yeah then got the letter and said you know y you're on the course so it was a bit of a shock really because yeah. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I'd kind of lost my identity a bit because I was always known as Jenny the Swimmer. Yeah. And when that's gone, you do kind of think, what What am I now? Um, and there is such a thing as post-games blues as well. Yeah. You know, it's been hyped up and hyped up for four years and then it's done and then that's it. Um, then you've got to train again for another four years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I always knew that Beijing was, you know, probably going to be my last games. Yeah. So that's why I made sure I took absolutely everything in. Um, I took so many pictures um, and just enjoyed it. Just went out there for a PB rather than a medal. Yeah. And do you miss it? Do you miss it now? Do you do you still reminisce now? I miss my teammates yeah. and I miss having them around all the time. Um, I do still speak to a lot of them. Um, but yeah, there, there are certain things that I miss. Yeah. But there are certain things that I don't miss. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, you know, that team would have been your almost like a family, an extended family. Yeah. You're around them all the time. Training. Yeah. I, I was around them more than my own family. Yeah. Mm. And so, so what are the things that you don't miss? <laughs> early morning training? <laughs> well, <laughs> probably early morning training, but I, I used to do, you know, half six till half six shifts so yeah. it was still quite early <laughs> um but yeah I guess getting up and then having to throw yourself into a freezing cold pool don't really miss that mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah I can imagine that not being not being very nice yeah so the pools have to be cold don't they to train in right because uh, it, it's unhealthy to train in a hot pool isn't it yeah yeah and also um at competitions they have to be at a certain temperature and they're usually really cold then but there's some scientific evidence that you know it's a faster pool if it's a certain temperature um 
And I do believe certain pills are faster than others. Yeah. Um, whether it's all, you know, in, in my head and I don't know. But, um, yeah, they are always quite cold. Yeah. yeah. No, I've I've heard it before in yeah. terms of faster pools than others and people getting personal bests in certain pools exactly. because it's a faster pool. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the listeners at home, they're probably thinking, a faster pool? Yeah, it's a pool. I know. I know. <laughs> they're, the same, they're the same. I know. Um, but no, yeah, I get it. 100%. Um, so, yeah, just in terms of your at that point. So you've you've then decided that that's it. You, you, you've called it a day and um, you're then thinking about, you know, you're then, you're then at, at Sheffield Uni uh-huh. and you're then thinking about the career path that you're wanting to go into. Yeah. So what made you choose to be a paramedic? Um, I think once I'd realised, you know, the swimming was over, I did do a few other sports. I yeah. tried, tried cycling for a bit, but I was on the back of a tandem and you have to really trust the person on the front of the tandem. Yeah. Then I tried goalball and realised if this big, massive, heavy ball with a bell in it hit me on the head... It wasn't good. You know, I could detach my retina again. Yeah. So I thought, no, I can't do that. Um, and I think that side of things has improved. You know, when I finished, you got three months funding and then that was it. Yeah. There was kind of no real, real transition support. Um, but I believe that has changed now, which, you know, is really good. Um I wish I'd have had that that kind of transition advice. Yeah. Um, but I think caring for my mum made me think about going into that kind of career. Right. Yeah. I always thought I couldn't be a nurse because I couldn't answer to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I liked the thought of kind of being out and about and also... The swimming competitions creates an awful lot of adrenaline. Yeah. And when that finishes, it is really hard, and it's really hard to get it back because, you know, that was such a high. But I think I have picked one of the only jobs that you can still get, get that adrenaline rush. Yeah. When you go into a job or when, you know, you you, you know what's, what's coming and, you know... You've got to, um, like perform and react. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can. It's so. It's so, what you said. It kind of it, it reminds me a little bit of um, when somebody comes out of the military. Yeah. And they're in that constant fight or flight mode. Yeah. And because obviously they've got that constant adrenaline mm-hmm. rush. Yeah. And then it's finding it really hard to kind of adjust to civilian life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I can I can see what you mean in terms of, you know, you're constantly either racing or training or thinking about that next race. Yeah. And so you're constantly ready to go. Yeah. Um it's it's an addictive feeling, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um so yeah, okay. I can get why you've gone into that career now. Yeah. Um and yeah, how so how's that how's that going for you? How long have you been a paramedic now? Um, so it's been eight years now I've been qualified for. Um, the first few years, you know, I, I was still 
really nervous and, you know, constantly learning. I don't think you ever finish learning yeah. as a paramedic. I think, you know, paramedics that think they know everything, you know, it's wrong. You've just got to, everything that new new that comes along, you've, you've got to keep up your kind of professional development. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been eight years now. Um, I've worked in various places. Um, currently work for um, a private ambulance company. Um, work four twelve-hour shifts, and then have four twelve-hour shifts off. So for the people watching, obviously, a lot of people that be watching this podcast might be thinking about changing their career mm-hmm. or going into something new. What advice would you give them in terms of how they transition from maybe one career into another? Um, I think just firstly to say that you're never too old to kind of change careers. You know, I only qualified as a paramedic when I was 30. Um, I think if you're not happy in your job, that's the majority of your life. And, you know... If you, if you do want to change careers, um, always remember that you, you, you have your transferable skills um, and to, to put yourself out there, really, you know, yeah. um, be positive and um, be confident in, in what you want to do. Bro, bro. Yeah, I mean, um, if there is anything that you could change about the career path you've taken mm-hmm. kind of from your swimming career all the way through to where you are now mm-hmm. is there anything that you would do differently maybe um I don't think so um you know my swimming career was absolutely amazing it I got to travel all around the world I got to you know see different things I would have never had that experience if I hadn't you know, had that detached retina, you know. My mum was absolutely devastated when I lost the sight of my eye. And I was like, look, I I get to do these amazing things because, you know, you spoke to these people. Um, I guess in my paramedic career, I would try and... I still think there's quite a big gap in the ambulance service and, you know, the health sector in general about um, taking on people with disabilities, um, with learning disabilities, physical disabilities, yeah. visual impairments. Um, I do still think there's a big gap in training um, for the ambulance service, you know. Yeah. I think they should really utilise, you know, the disabled people and involve them more and I I really do wish that I'd you know maybe put myself out there sooner and and said you know I think this should happen and I I kind of thought oh I'll put my head down I'll get on with it but you know it is important that disabled people have a voice and you know speak out about what's wrong in their workplace and what they think that can change so that's the only thing really i think i would change nice and um obviously for yourself you've 
you know, as someone that's <clears throat> with somebody that's got a disability, mm-hmm. um, how have you how have you found those challenges from your swimming days to life at home to then working as a paramedic mm-hmm. now? Um, how have you found the best way of dealing with those challenges? What have those challenges been and how have you dealt with them? Because I'm sure there are listeners that have, have got disabilities mm-hmm. um, that and, and they're, they might be struggling with a certain path that they're going through. Mm. Um, what advice would you give and, and based on your experience? Um, for me personally, when I was training, um, to, to, to take um, as an example, you know, cannulating. So cannulating someone's vein to, you know, give them drugs. Yeah. I would, because of my eyesight, because of my um, dyspraxia, um, I'm not very good at kind of fine motor movements. Um, so I would put tape on the back of a sick ball yeah. and I would practice cannulating over and over again until I got it. Yeah. Um, and I still do it now. If I haven't put a cannula in for a while, yeah. you know, I'll have a go because I, I know that I'll lose that skill if I don't keep practicing. So the, the I just found kind of little little things to get round, you know, round challenges. Um, when I did nights, I could never, never see where I was going. So I'd always have a little torch with me. Um, yeah, things like the paperwork's always really small, um, so I'd have my magnifier with me. Yeah. Um, and sadly, I have found that not just, you know, the ambulance service, but, you know, other other companies that I've worked for as well, haven't... I've asked for that help and, and that help hasn't hasn't been there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've had to leave the company because I wasn't getting the help that I needed. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, you know. I really Absolutely. think companies should, you know, look up their ideas, really. Yeah, so you think there should definitely be more of a, um, of a drive for, for those companies, bigger companies, to kind of put more effort into making sure that everybody every member of staff is catered to yeah yeah you know, and you know, supported exactly yeah 100 yeah. i agree you know there's a tick there's a tick on a health questionnaire that that says do you need any extra help and you know i've ticked it uh, and other people have ticked it and not, not heard anything back which is, is a shame yeah yeah, hopefully, if they're watching this podcast, they'll <laughs> realise and yeah. they'll, they'll get it fixed. I hope so. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so, have you got any other words of wisdom for the listeners at home? Um, just in terms of, um, and that's for anybody that's kind of venturing into a new career or they are um, they have a disability themselves and they're thinking about becoming um, a Paralympian, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's a swimmer or any other sport. Have you got any kind of key words of wisdom um i think if anyone's struggling with um the classification system i know it is quite complicated um you know swimmers go from the physical disabilities at s1 to s10 and then 
There is S14, which is for intellectual disabilities. Um, and then the visual impairments are S11, which is, you know, completely blind, S12, and then I'm an S13. Um, but if anyone, you know, wants to look at that, my um, former teammate, Giles Long, has created um, something called Lexi, which is L-E-X-I. Yeah. Um, and that does, that's really helpful in letting people know about all the the classification and the classification system because it is it is quite complicated um, and it's a really good tool. Um, I think when I was uh, when I was younger as a 16 year old my my motto was don't let your fear stand in the way of your dreams. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think as I've got older <laughs> that, that's changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I guess just always look after your head. If you're going into, you know, being a paramedic, it's really important to, you know, look after your mental health because yeah. um, it can be difficult and you can see difficult things. Mm -hmm. um, and it, there used to be kind of an ethos of you're not you're not a good paramedic if you if you you know suffer with mental health and and. You know, that's changed, you know, a lot and people are speaking out more. Um, but, yeah, I think just put yourself out there um, and believe in yourself, really. Amazing. Amazing. Well, it's been um, absolutely incredible having you on the show. So thank you very much for no coming problem. along. And, um, yeah, if you've um, been watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, and you can follow us on Oxbridge Home um, on any of our social media channels. Um, hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, it's been amazing having you on. So thank you very much. Thank you. And don't forget to like and subscribe and we'll see you next time. Bye.